thrive, flourish, unleash your buried treasure. This is the Exponentially Empowered Podcast with Joel Bine. Through conscious action and authentic self-connection, empower yourself to write your own script. I am excited to be joined by the one and only Kamau Olatunji, who is marketing coordinator at the Foundation for Economic Education. He is an alum of Praxis, and he has been a co-host with TK Coleman on the Revolution of One live stream. And I had the pleasure of joining them in the fall to talk about crashing your career. So I'm excited to dive in with Kamal about all things mindset and mentality. Welcome, Kamal. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, excited to be here. I, that was a great conversation me, you, and TK had. It, it, uh, it's always refreshing to hear somebody who's immersed in that mindset and that thought process of that, that's really common in praxis and really common in those circles. It's, it's, I think one of the clips we posted on Twitter just the other day you were talking about the employee mindset versus like the entrepreneurial mindset and yeah, all things that I just love to talk about. So I'm excited. Awesome. Well, you know, let's, let's, that's a segue because I'm curious to hear about your backstory in terms of going through the school experience. This is such a a foundation. I always like to say that, well, the adult world is a reflection of how, kids grow up, right? Our mindsets and that entrepreneurial mindset is often not, is not encouraged going through the typical school experience. So, you know, you're, you are in this entrepreneurial mindset at this point. And I'm curious, what was that like growing up in terms of your relationship with school and your own self-driven curiosity and how that developed over time? Sure. I probably wouldn't have associated as an entrepreneur. Like I wouldn't have, uh, that wouldn't have been a part of my identity early on in life. I I don't even think I knew what that was. I think, you know, when it came to your career path and and what did you want to be when you grew up, that was never an option for me necessarily. I think there wasn't a lot of people in my life at that time who were entrepreneurs. Like, I don't even think they called themselves entrepreneurs if they did own a business. They were just business owners. So like the the, the concept of entrepreneurship and, and, and that being a path to take, I don't think really became an option for me until high school, which was pretty later on um, in life. So, but, but to start from the beginning, I I initially was homeschooled. My mom uh, was, I'm not sure exactly why she wanted to homeschool us. I, I don't know the, the purpose. I know some people have really strong beliefs about homeschool, but uh, she, she went that direction and it was okay for me. I, I didn't really like it. Uh, I, I'm a very much people person. I like to connect and, and, and be really social. And so I think I uh, demanded to go to school. And so I went to school and I went, I went to a charter school, which was, um, it it was a cool experience. I think one of the things that they taught us there that was really fundamental to my development and who 
am as a person is they were really big on nonviolent communication and problem solving. Uh, that was almost the folk, the focus of the school. And, and anytime there was an altercation, uh, anytime, you know, anybody's feelings were hurt, like we would have to go to the office and we would have to talk about it. And, you know, we're in third grade and we're having these conversations about our feelings and, and really problem solving and working together very collaboratively collaboratively and, and being forced to, to use our words. And that was just a really unique uh, approach to handling and disciplining kids. Like looking back, I've been in some other school systems where they didn't give a damn whether you problem solved or not. Like if you, you acted out in the class, you know, you're getting your parents called, you're getting suspended, you're out of there. And, you know, I, I really appreciated um, the, the schools that I was in that, took the time and treated us like little adults, treat, taught us how to communicate and taught us um, not just how to go along to get along or not just how to uh, fit in and, and make ourselves um, fit into this system, this rigid system of school, but they really allowed us to be individuals and, and express ourselves. And so I think Moving from, you know, the homeschool, charter school, I moved into private school, and, and that was a really cool experience. And then from, from just this niche kind of schooling, I moved into flat-out public school, regular, traditional neighborhood schools when I got into the earlier years of life. And it was, it was a culture shock for me. I, I think within the first five days, I remember people uh, fighting and I remember being in the classroom in my math class and my friend Devidra, she was sitting a couple chairs and two dudes started fighting and the teacher took a broom and was bashing them over the head as they were like throwing blows. And I was sitting at my desk and my mouth was just gaping open. And Devidra was looking at me and cracking up, like, look at your face. And I think to her, to them, it was super normal. Like they saw fights all the way from kindergarten to at that time, which was eighth grade. It, it was just a normal part of school, um, you know, just super aggressive. Like it wasn't about talking. It wasn't about problem solving. It was just about this system, this rigid system of schooling. And if you have this energy and if you have these problems at home and you didn't know how to deal with it, that's on you. That's your fault. And so it was just super interesting kind of transitioning in the high school. And I'm grateful for, you know, the skills and the, 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 the self-awareness that I was taught at a young age, because it gave me a good foundation to navigate uh, the turbulence of, of the public school system. Yeah. Well, first of all, that's just shocking and tragic. The, the story of the broom <laughs> there, but that's unfortunately not necessarily uncommon, but Curious about the, you mentioned nonviolent communication. Is this by the official nonviolent communication from Marshall Rosenberg and that whole world? Or are you referring to that practice? Are you familiar? No, I'm, I'm not familiar. It, it just, this is, I'm, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if, if they uh, drew a lot of those practices, but no, I'm not, I'm not familiar with um, the practice that, you know, you're referring to. It was just a part of the curriculum. Like it, Again, I don't know if it was the school motto, but problem solving, using your words to communicate, like it was drilled in our heads. It was drilled in our heads. So they, they use that term though, nonviolent communication. Okay. Well then that's likely what it was. I mean, so we had, 
we, I had um, a nonviolent communication trainer on episode 17 of this podcast, my friend Katie, and I'm just really drawn to that whole world. Uh, I know TK was reading that book as well. Just, the basic framework is, is um, problem solving, conflict resolution through this framework of, of feelings and needs and mm. basically observing <clears throat> objectively what you're experiencing yeah. and communicating through an I statement on feeling, you know, when you say yeah. that I feel fr- frustrated, I yep. think I'm needing some understanding right now. And then a request, would you be willing to, et cetera. So it's, it's, uh, that's, it's, that's a great uh, tool kit to be offered at a young age. And I also was struck by <clears throat> the fact that you said you demanded that you would go to school as a young kid, you started out hom- homeschooled and that's definitely a better premise for starting one's, you know, formal school experience is you really wanting to go mm-hmm. as opposed to the sort of automaticity of you're five years old and now you're going to school. There's no choice. There's no conversation. So, <clears throat> so that's key, that sense of choice. And I think that set the foundation for when you did get to a more traditional public school, like you said, you had a foundation of, of choice and, and some of these communication skills and you weren't so you weren't just on the the typical K through 12 conveyor belt. You had some foundation where you could go into that less ideal experience in the high school and feel like you had some tools because I I always say it's way better to, if you're going to homeschool for half your life, like choose the front part. Definitely. (laughs) If you go, Definitely. if you homeschool from, from K through eight or whatever, and then you go to public school. Um, and when I say homeschool, I, I'm thinking, I'm thinking like really self-directed learning, you know, yeah. not sitting at a table at the, at the kitchen in a structured environment, self-directed learning and having freedom and then go into a public school. Well, then you yeah. kind of see it, it's a game. Like you can yeah. navigate that. It's more of a social experience. Yeah. But if you get, if you, if you go in at five years old and you're just the horse, that gets broken. That's just like, that sets you up for the yeah. rest of, but you had a couple of years there where you had a little more freedom. It sounds like so that. Yeah. And I, and I, I would think that, you know, it, it was a rough transition because uh, at least the school I went to it, you know, it was, it was not for the faint of heart. Uh, like it, it was, it was rough. Uh, it was rough. Sometimes there was like, again, fights and, um, you know, all the things that come with school gangs, I mean, you know, the, the whole nine. And so I think it, it, it was rough being accepted into that, you know, being an outsider, um, being more in touch with uh, certain uh, trains of thought and, and being aware and all of these things, I probably didn't know how to put a label to, I think people could sense that I was different. And so it was tough being ex- accepted and, and, uh, and immersing myself in, in that community. But I think once I got past that rough part, I really started to excel and really started to to ascend amongst like my peers. And I think, I think just again from a young age, I was um, educated to to not be the same, to not be like everybody else. Um, that you're now Olatunji, you're unique. Uh, that you're, you you are who you are. You're not just any old body and and, you know, it's as a kid, it feels like a curse, but I think the older I've gotten, I've realized it's a blessing. And, and 
looking back, I think that that's what separated me from a lot of my peers is, is I didn't have a choice, but to be unique, everything about my life, every, you know, about my story, like I, I was forced into being unique. And, and I think once I got to a place of acceptance, it, the gap really started to widen in terms of my development. Um, Cause I was comfortable with being uncomfortable and I was comfortable with being me. And I was uncomfortable with being in a really rigid system that forced me to be something else. And I, I, I in school, especially in, in public school, uh, there, there was just in school in general, any kind of structured school there, I had a tough time. There was a lot of resistance. I wouldn't say I, I wasn't an A plus student by any means. Um, I would try to do whatever I could do to, to make the thing work for me versus me work for the thing or the system. So there, there was friction, but be, again, because early on I was just ingrained to be unique and, and to be an individual that, that, that foundation and that baseline just allowed me uh, to really step into that and, and keep fighting that fight, despite any kind of impos- in, in, imposing to make me be something else. Oh, that's beautiful. It's all about that self-expression, that self-actualization of your unique self. I and mean, I always remind everyone that, you know, each person is the only person that will ever exist in that sense. Like you're, you're the only Kamau Otunji who will ever exist. And the, chan- the, the fact that you had, you had a chance to, to nourish that uniqueness is, is great. And so, all right. So you got Kobe Bryant hanging behind you right now. And we're going to talk a little bit about Kobe Bryant, the late great and Mamba mentality. But I want to just get before that, expand on your journey here and talk about how you found Praxis and sure. starting a business and you, you left college after a year. Yep. And, you know, I, I, as you know, I'm just really excited about, about that Praxis world. And I'm curious sure. what, what inspired you to really, again, forge that own path in that way. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think coming out of high school, um, again, having ascended the ranks, the social ranks, like I, like I did and, and being well revered by my uh, peers and uh, staff and, and, and counselors that, you know, everybody was like, Oh, Kamau is going to be, you know, he's going to a good college. He's going to get his degree. He's going to, you know, he's going to be successful by these definitions of success, whatever that meant to them. And, and I bought into that. I was like, yeah, that's, that's what I need to do. You know, the, all these people I love and trust are telling me that this is the definition of success. Okay. I'll walk that path. And, um, I went to a big school. I went to LSU, uh, in Louisiana state. It, I didn't really care about college. Like I cared about my friends at that time. I cared about having a good time. Um, you know, I college was just like the next grade that you had to go to. So, um, I went and, I think it it didn't really dawn on me what was happening until until some 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 lifestyle um, some things about my lifestyle made it abundantly clear like that this is this is a this is something that doesn't necessarily fit with with kind of like who I am um, there I just had a lot of trouble. Uh, 
make, making it make sense. Like I knew the classes that I was sitting in didn't really make sense for what I wanted to do or what I wanted to be, but I just had to be there because that was what I needed for my degree. And, and a lot of college, especially early on, it just didn't make sense. And, and I know, and everybody, all of my mentors and peers and whatnot just told me, don't worry about it making sense. Just, just do it, you know, just go through it. Like you can think later, just do this because you need to do this. And, and I, and I did it for the first year and I struggled and it was at least the school part was miserable. Like obviously the friends and, and living away from home was great. Um, but the school part was miserable and it was really stressful. And I feel like I wasn't getting the return on investment. And then uh, I took some time off because I had a plan of getting in-state tuition and save myself some money. And during that time, I read a whole lot of books um, that I think really gave me and empowered me to think for myself again. Um, and around that time, I was 19. And, you know, I book after book, I, I just kept finding like in between the lines that these people who were writing books about being successful said that school wasn't required. And I mean, these books could be, you know, books that were written in the 60s, they could be written in 2001, like the 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 range of content that I was reading wasn't, you know, super modern stuff. I mean, school had been around when these people were writing their books, you know, people who ascended and, and, and became these great professions went to school during the times that these authors were writing their books. So, but I just kept finding like the same message that was threaded through all these different books and different subjects that school wasn't necessary to be successful. And that was the first time I had heard that. And then some opportunities kind of came up and I, I was just keeping my eye open and really trying to tap into my intuition. Like, is this the right thing for me? Um, and of course, you know, my parents were like, no, <laughs> this is not even a question. Um, a lot of my mentors, like I just, I knew not to even ask certain people because that's a no, like, of course you need to stay in school. And I, I think it came down to a, a real financial decision where I looked at how much debt I was going into. Um, and I knew that another four to five years of this wasn't going to work for me. And so I made the decision to leave school and I moved to California my uncle offered me a business opportunity to get in the cannabis industry out of all industries um, and essentially said that this is a great time. I mean, any kid who's 19 who um, has partaked, I'll say, um, I think would jump on that opportunity. I think it, it was it was a, it was cool because it's something that's kind of fringe, that's outside of the norm, uh, that already uh, goes against the grain, which attracted me. I'm attracted to things that go against the grain that, that are counter culture, you could even say. And so I took the challenge of, of moving to California at 19 and, and starting a business with him in the cannabis industry. And what I think what you learn about entrepreneurship when, when you dive in to start any kind of business is you, you get a, a great, you get a great understanding of what you're good at and what you're not good at. Uh, the market teaches you where your shortfalls are, where your weaknesses are. And I, and I learned that being in business. I learned that I am not very good at being disciplined. I, I'm not very good at having a structure in my life. And I just started figuring out all these shortcomings that 
I had never really knew about myself until me and my business was put to the test in the marketplace. And so as a person with high self-awareness, I recognized, you know, these are some of the shortcomings. How do I fix this stuff? Structure was a big one for me. And, and I, I think one thing that, you know, a lot of people uh, don't like about school, but I do see some value is the structure is, is, is being able to, uh, you know, move from this class to this class and, and just having a schedule to your life. And I needed that at the time and I didn't want to go back to school. So I just was keeping my ears open, just seeing what's out there. And my dad and I found uh, Praxis through s- some podcasts. They were doing some podcast advertising at the time. And, and that's how we found Praxis. And immediately I was like, okay, this is, this is pretty cool. This is a community of people like me who decided uh, that school didn't make sense and they wanted to bet on themselves. And what was most attractive about Praxis is that they had a good track record, that they placed people in jobs and they followed up on their word, which a lot of times college can't even say that. College, you know, they, they attract you and they, they, they tell you, hey, you can do this and that. And you, you, once you get this degree, the whole world will unlock for you. But they don't have necessarily the results that, that indicate that this is a sure thing, that we can get you on this track. And, and I felt like Praxis was able to demonstrate that we have people that you can talk to that, that came from the same situation that you're in and are here right now. They're very accessible. They're very, very reachable. And yeah, it was, it was motivating. So that was the start of the Praxis journey. And uh, I haven't looked back since. I love that audacity you had to, to go out to California and even if you didn't know what it was going to be like, you, you forged and that got you on the train to keep, keep seeking. Right. And then you, you sought out Praxis and I'm sure the, the fact that you had already started this new business was a huge reason you got into Praxis and it, it just speaks to the power of, of, of pushing and seeking and driving and not getting sucked into the crowd. So it's, it's so special. And I, you, I like how you're speaking to this like market incentive. Um, you know, college doesn't have customers. <laughs> it's so subsidized and it's just so removed from that feedback from, from customers and the marketplace. Whereas Praxis is, they got to have the proof that you're going to, you're going to have success. Yeah. And the same thing you experienced with, with starting the business and realizing you needed to create structure in your life in order to be effective, it was a, a skin in the game type situation. And that's, that's the power of going out and, and I'm going to go into the, into the market and start something and into this uncomfortable experience. But all of a sudden necessity is a mother of invention and you learned fast, I'm sure how to create that structure. And that's of course, you know, choosing your structure is so much better than having that structure imposed upon you. Mm. Um, and that, that's so key to, to learn how to self-manage like that. So let's, let's, let's dive into your passion for basketball. Cause I love basketball too. And, and Kobe <laughs> Bryant, the, the late great Kobe and this Mamba mentality. And I, and this of course relates to the entrepreneurial mindset and, and self, uh, self-direct, self-directed living and forging your own path. You know, what's one thing that's inspiring about Kobe is that 
after he retired, he kept on pursuing new interests and definitely and new businesses. And didn't he win some uh, yep. Academy Award of some? Yep. Yeah, I mean, I didn't know that until until after he passed, and I was just so blown away by that. And it, I'm, I'm curious. Just, just go ahead and riff on how Kobe inspired you. Take this chance, and and then we're going to dive a little bit deeper into the specific mindset he embodied. But tell us about how Kobe inspired you, and perhaps how that related to your your journey. Yeah, Kobe uh, inspired me in a, in a in a way bigger than life. Uh, you know, I I actually like having him right up here. And this is uh, my other guy, Nipsey Hussle, uh, who is an L.A. Um, cultural icon. He, he was a rapper as well, uh, or not as well, but he was a rapper and uh, from L.A., big Lakers fan. But he, he, the way that he moved was he really embodied what it meant to be a boss. Um, he, he, and, he, and he did it in, in a way that was counterculture. And I think... What I like about both of these icons is that they really did forge their own path. Uh, I think where both of them were in um, fields, you know, basketball and rap, where, you know, there were other um, icons who had came before them, legends who had came before them. But, you know, just because success leaves uh, footprints and leaves bread trails, it doesn't necessarily mean that if you take that exact same thing, uh, that, you know, Michael Jordan did, or that, you know, Biggie Smalls did that you're going to be successful. Like you have to bring your own element of uniqueness and individuality to whatever given field you're in. And you have to make it your own. Like, yes, you can follow a footprint or, or a pathway or whatever to some extent, but I think what both of them did and, and speci specifically speaking about Kobe is, I mean, he was just such a student of the game and, when I started watching him, I started watching him actually pretty late in life. I, I didn't even like basketball until I got to high school. I was just a big soccer guy. And, and, but being from LA, um, you know, I, I really attached to the Lakers once I had moved to Georgia because I missed home and, and I, and I wanted things to uh, represent where I was from and I wanted to feel proud of my city. And, and I just wanted that sense of identity and, and Kobe, um, you know, even I don't think anybody who was alive in the early 2000s, you know, didn't know who he was. He, I mean, he was dominant and he played, he expanded the game of basketball from, uh, you know, a mostly domestic sport to an international sport. And, and, and the way that he uh, took the game and expanded it in Asia and um, in, in just different parts of the world and in different continents was was remarkable and you know the influence that I think he had on me and I think just a lot of people it is is the mindset is the ability to, to to hold yourself to an expectation that nobody else is holding you to uh because you know what you're capable of uh and you know you know that you don't just do this Thing for fun. You do it for passion. You do it because uh, you want to win. You do it because you 
want want to to leave your own footprint on or a thumbprint on the thing that you're creating. You know, basketball was his thing, but whatever his thing was, whether it was storytelling, whether it was basketball, whether it was family, you know, being a girl dad, like he wanted to leave an imprint on that thing. And I think that's just such a powerful way to think about it because, you know, and it kind of ties to this concept um, of the project you mentioned a little bit earlier, Revolution One, that that's um, the project that TK and I work on. And that's really all about how individual people can change the world by first changing themselves, by allowing the change within uh, to feel them to, to, to have an impact on the world. And I think I like what I like about Kobe's story and, and, and what he's done for me is it really starts with the discipline. It starts with uh, the commitment. It starts with the passion that you're bringing to an individual field that can then change the world. But it does start with Kobe. It starts with Kamau. It starts with Joel. And, you know, I think some people approach that differently. Some people approach it, you know, uh, like I'll practice here and there. And then there's other people who they live and die by this. Um, and I think that, that, that ability to live and die by something, I know it, it, it feels extreme, but <laughs> like when you see him win and you hit, he hit some of these these game winning shots and just the pure passion that, that is like seething through his eyes and it's coming out of his pores. You, you just got to wonder to yourself, like, what is this guy taking? Like what kind of drug is he on? How does, how does he get to this level that is just insane? He looks like he's on fire. Like he looks like he's playing chess and everybody else is playing checkers. And you're, you're I think for myself, somebody who, um, is competitive, who, who likes to achieve, who likes to, to win, but um, who just likes the glory of those kind of moments, you know, I would always just look at him and being like, man, this dude is, it's incredible. Like he, he's just playing on another level. And I think that level is possible for us to get to within our respective fields. Like it's not going to look the same as Kobe, you know, making 81 points or hitting all these game winners. But I think there is a level that high achievers can get to in, in whatever aspect that they're, they're trying to perform in. And, and so that's, that's really what, what left the impact on me is that, you know, when you, when you put in the time, when you put in the work, when you give it the passion and, and you uh, live and die by that routine, by that structure, by that discipline, um, by the by the work that you put in when nobody else sees that you get to you you then get to have the opportunity to shine the brightest I think I'm going to butcher the same but I think it goes you know those who um, work the hardest in the dark shine the brightest when the in the light you know shine the brightest when the lights are on and so I'm I'm a big believer that you know where I've got to today is not because of me hanging out with friends or me doing this and that, all the things that I love to do, it's because I've chosen uh, to, to work <laughs> and to work relentlessly in the dark, to work where people necessarily can't see me work, uh, but I'm getting better. I'm putting in work. I'm, I'm advancing myself. And so when the opportunity does come for me to step up and to hit a game winning shot, you know, because I've put so much time in the dark, I'm able to just get to that next level. I'm able to tap into 
a, a passion that I have and, uh, and it fuels me to really take me to the next notch. Oh, good stuff. Yeah. You mentioned a few terms there, passion, discipline, and then working in the dark. I mean, literally you wrote in this article on fee about Kobe, how he would practice <laughs> in the dark, even when the, the lights weren't on in the gym, but he was practicing anyway. And the, the sheer amount of time he put in that was going above and beyond that was unexpected because he had that passion because he had that fuel to be the best. And that's, that's character, right? Character is what you do when no one else is watching, right? It's not about, I'm doing this because I, others expect me to do this. I'm doing this because this is the requirements to get the job done. You know, this is, this is, this is the entrepreneurial mindset. It's like, I'm going to create without being told. Right. But okay. I'm really excited about this little topic here because I want to drill down into some of these concepts with passion and discipline. The word discipline to me has been so fascinating for so long in terms of the psychological relationship one has with, with putting in effort and is it intrinsically motivated versus extrinsically motivated and this relates to the school topic, right? Because often we're, we're, we're giving assignments, we're, we're doing things that we're working hard to, on topics or projects that we don't necessarily have the passion for, that we don't, we're not choosing. And it becomes this grinding experience, right, of work. And there's another definition of work that's more in line with your intrinsic motivation, your curiosity, and your self-drive um, that becomes more playful, it's not like I got to force myself to do that, the, the work, and then I'll get the results. And I'm curious, you know, how do you see that? Let's like, let's speculate on, sure, sure. on like Kobe's mindset or just this Mamba mentality of, of putting in the extra time and going above and beyond because you want to be great because you have a passion for the game. Um, but at what point does that maybe cross a line where it could be unhealthy when you're, you're demanding things of yourself that become that, that, that are not fully intrinsically motivated. You sure, know what I'm sure. saying? You know, at the yeah, top, no, get de- out here. definitely. Yeah, I, I, I understand. I mean, you're kind of getting at two topics. I'm going to start with the first one about, um, you know, work and, and play and, and just the, the whole discipline aspect of that. Uh, and then I'll, I'll touch on the point of, of the health and, and balance uh, side of that. But I, I think, starting with, you know, the, the discipline that it takes and, and putting in that time, I, I'd be lying to you if I told you I was the most disciplined person. Uh, I, I, you know, I don't, I don't wake up at three 30 in the morning um, and, and do a hundred sit-ups and a hundred chin-ups and, you know, go on a mile run. Like, no, I'm, I'm laying in my cozy bed um, with the heat turned up. Um, but what I will say is, is that I think, what discipline looks like is kind of unique to most people. I think, you know, there, there's a certain level of structure that you have to achieve to, to maximize your output in whatever given capacity that is for you. Uh, but for, for me, what I've found it to be is that there's those of us who have an inner voice and who can listen to it. Mine is my inner voice is kind of like my accountability partner. 
And I think it's probably because I've consumed uh, the work of so many greats and I've, I've, I've really just immersed myself in the things that they've created. Um, I know that in order to get to that place that they've, they've put in a lot of work. And so my inner voice, a lot of times tells me like, you're not doing enough. Like you got to push further. Um, you know, there's, there's more that you can give in this situation. And I think, you know, some people want to tune that out. They want to say like, you know, screw off. It's I'm cool. Like I'm doing enough. Or um, they might use substances like they might smoke to kind of quiet their mind or they might, you know, drink to kind of take the edge off. And, but for me, I don't ignore that voice. Like if, if, if it tells me that this just needs to be delivered, it's not because anybody else is telling me, but it's because like, there's an inner voice that's telling me um, you can do more, you can give more and you should give more. And so that's the thing. That's kind of how the Mamba mentality um, manifests through my own life is, is that when I feel like, you know, I might just be on cruise control, but there's a sense of uh, maybe guilt or desire or passion to do more, to give more, to be more. I listen to that and I try to respect that. And there's a lot of times where that takes me outside of my comfort zone that it's like, like, do I really have to do this extra do I have to go the extra mile? Do I have to, you know, I, I know I don't have to, I know this is not what people are expecting of me. Um, but I just try to take myself back. Like, do you want to be great or not? Like, do, do you want to, um, do you want, do you want to put your thumbprint on, on, on this thing? Like I worked at Trader Joe's for three years, you know, Trader Joe's is a big company that's, uh, was around before I was born, might even be around once I die. Um, and, you know, it, I'm probably not going to be the CEO of Trader Joe's. I'm, you know, probably not going to um, be, you know, this super influential person. But my, my, my small job that I had there, there was a point in time where it was like, I just got tired of being a sucky employee. Like I wanted to be good. I wanted to leave uh, my own print on it. I wanted to give what I could give to it. And, and so I did. And, 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 you know, I would stay after, I would say hours after the shift, I would come in early, you know, do whatever I could do just to give myself an edge. And I think over time, those small acts of going above and beyond just accumulate, like it, it doesn't happen overnight. It's just small acts of going, you know, a little bit further uh, to the point where, you know, once I, it was time for me to move on from that job, like I had so much social capital that I had built up, like people, uh, I was able to get my younger brother hired there and, and not to toot my own horn, but like people still ask about me. Um, people still are wondering like, hey, what's Kamau up to? And it's because I decided to show up at that given whatever in that given capacity was, you know, I just gave it that extra effort. And, and, and I think that the Mamba mentality in the discipline aspect, uh, it's, it's just going above and beyond. It's, it's not being content with what's asked of you. Um, and this isn't for everything. Like, obviously, there's some things where I, I, there's not a, a true value exchange. And I don't feel like by going above and beyond here that I'm pouring into myself further. So it doesn't make sense for me. But in, in the times that it does make sense for me, I, I'm not afraid to go above and beyond. I'm not afraid to put in that work. And I think over time, those small acts 
uh, just build up and, and, and they have just a cascading effect where, you know, just one day you like, you're, you're, you really understand like, wow, I have a really strong pulse on this given thing. And I, and I can take it to levels um, that the majority of people around here can't really take it to. Yeah. It's really fascinating discussion about this sort of, are you pushing yourself for the sake of pushing yourself or are you pushing yourself because you want to experience something that's a, a sense of fulfillment, a sense of excitement, a sense of meaning, right? And pride, satisfaction, right? You're at the Trader Joe's job and it's not just for the sake of being good. It's something beyond that, I think. It's, I want to be a top performer. I want to be the type of person that is excellent at what I do, have that consistent mindset, right? How you do anything is how you do everything. Yeah. And I think, I think in large part, like high achievers, like Kobe Bryant, I think even in the midst of their career or in the midst of this game, they want to be remembered as somebody who does X, Y, Z. So they're not waiting for their legacy to be shaped by someone else. Like they're taking control of their legacy in the moment and they're contributing to that story and that narrative now. Like they're thinking about that now. Like I, I thought about that in that moment. Like I want to be remembered as somebody who, you know, kills it, goes above and beyond. And so that informed the way that I would move. Like I, I, I wanted people to think of me that way. And I think, um, that's what greats do. Like they, they create the legacy. They're aware of their legacy and and they're actively creating it. And I think going above and beyond it is just a way of, of them um, taking that into their own, taking that legacy into their own hands and, and shaping it actively. Yeah. And it's from a psychological lens. Again, it's, it doesn't need to be something that you have to do that you're forcing yourself to do necessarily. Yeah. I sort of have this hypothesis that, the traditional definition of self-discipline need not exist. If you simply can get in touch with your fuel, your why, and you can mm-hmm. get in touch with your future self, right? So if Kobe Bryant's showing up, you know, for extra four hours of practice on game day at by himself, putting in the extra sweat and he sees the value in that. And he's driven by passion for the game, passion for the fulfillment and the meaning that comes from greatness and the impact he can make on other people and like that fullness of life, like seeing that healing is one shot at life. So I want to, I want to maximize it. Right. So then it becomes, if you get in touch with all that in any given moment, when you're showing up in the, to the gym, then it becomes pure intrinsic motivation. Mm -hmm. Then it becomes passion. You, when you, when you have the underlying why, then the how and the what fall into place. And so what I think happens in this traditional mindset of self-discipline is people f- in any given moment, say y- you're deciding if you're going to go to, to go work extra or whatnot. In that moment, you have this internal conflict, but part of you yep. wants to rest. Part of you wants to take it easy. Part of you wants yep. to just hang out. You don't want to do the extra and this, the self-discipline mode is overriding that part of you saying, nope, we have to do this to be great. And it's like, it, it pushes that part of you away and that can be effective. Like that's what a traditional 
I think concept of self-discipline is like being able to override that part of you. And what I think is the, the healthier, more win-win way that you're going to still achieve at the high level and have a sense of sort of inner harmony about it is when sure. you can, A, like not just push parts of you away in a sort of uh, disowning type of way, but like under, like recognize those parts of you want that and say that's okay, but then then get in touch with that inner fire, right? Like Kobe had an inner fire, right? Oh, to absolutely. be alive, to be oh, at the highest level, to have, like the passion, like right? touch, get in touch with the why. And then you can see from like a cost benefit standpoint, okay, if I do this extra work, this is the ripple effect that's going to have in yeah. my life. Yeah. My future self will get to experience this. I'll, I'll perform higher on game day, et cetera, et cetera. And you see the direct connection between that day, that in the moment action and how that's going to bring results. Then you can be connected with the why in a really concrete way. This action connects to this result. It's in line with my meaning and purpose, et cetera. And this is from a cost benefit analysis standpoint, (laughs) a better choice than taking it easy in this moment. And then it's like, then it just becomes about, comes about, um, it becomes about like self-love. It becomes about excitement and it, it's um, intrinsically motivated and it's cost What's, benefit analysis. It's more free of mindset. I find like it doesn't need to be this forced willpower thing all the time. What's interesting about um, I think, you know, Kobe is, you know, I think a lot of people would just think he he just loves basketball so much. He just wants to, to do this thing um, or Michael Jordan, they just love basketball so much. Like they just want to give it all to the game. I think if you put Kobe at Trader Joe's, <laughs> he would be the <laughs> same freaking Kobe. Like I, I think that passion and that desire to be excellent, like not everybody has it, but if you have it, you know that it it's going to go with you wherever you go. Like whether you're on the golf course or whether you're doing a podcast or whatever you're in, if you got that desire to be excellent, um, then it's transferable. And it's really cool because it's important to cultivate that in whatever environment you're in, because you get to take it with you. The only reason he won an Oscar like two years after he retired, when people have been in that field for years, decades, people have been trying to win Oscars and, and, you know, how does somebody come in after, you know, a 25 year career in basketball and, and they do this thing? It's, it's because that passion, uh, that, that decision to be excellent, it's a transferable skill. It's, it's going to go with you, uh, in whatever field you walk into. And, and that's what I like about it is, is, you know, when, when you say yes to that, when you say yes to your own excellence, uh, you're not only contributing to, you know, the thing that you're applying it to at the moment, but you're also contributing to your ability to continue to say yes to yourself, to continue to be excellent. And, you know, to me, you just build life momentum. Uh, I think Trader Joe's for me, I I built a lot of good life momentum there. Like I, once I left, once I went to college and I uh, went out to California and I started the business, uh, the business failed and it sucked. I was at a low point in life. Um, and, you know, this was kind of around the time I found Praxis, but it, it was a low point 
point. Like I was sleeping on the couch low and uh, I, all my life momentum, I felt like had stopped. And, and so even though, you know, my pride was kind of hurt that I was working at this job that was paying me $12 an hour. And, you know, my peers were going on to graduate with uh, double majors and, you know, going off and doing this and that, you know, I think the thing uh, that I didn't really appreciate until after looking back was the opportunity to build life momentum, to, to get in the habit of demanding excellence out of myself again. And I think like that, that just transferred in, in that momentum has carried me. Um, but it, you know, it, it was the decision to say yes. It was the decision uh, to delay instant gratification of feeling cozy or comfortable or, or what have you. Yeah. Delayed gratification. I, I had a little tweet last year about like delayed gratification is a short-term, the, the very act of delayed gratification is a short-term pleasure. The very act of delayed gratification is a short-term pleasure. And I was trying to tie that in with what I was just saying about if you can see the connected dots really vividly with this delayed gratification, I know, like I'm, I'm like a little kid at the candy store. This is going to give me results. Like this is way better choice than watching Netflix right now. Watching Netflix is not an investment, basically. Oh, if I do this effortful activity, that's going to leverage my future. Heck yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, then it's, it's, it's this joyous thing. And, and I'm, just, I'm just endlessly fascinated with this subject. And, and you also said a minute ago at the end there, like demanding excellence. And it's like, okay, because this is actually, this relates to nonviolent communication. So the, the last part of nonviolent communication mm-hmm. is request. So it's like, observe your feelings and the needs and then make a request of somebody else. And, the, and there's a distinction between request and demand. So a request is being comfortable of the other person declining your request. And demand is like a coercive psychology. Like, I, you must, you must um, comply with what I'm asking. And so it's, again, it's an interesting psychological framework when it's just within your own mind. Are you demanding? Are you making and like coercing yourself to do something? Or are you inspiring those parts of you to do that extra work that you're not mandating that you skip Netflix? You get to skip Netflix to do something that is like fully alive. And that's what I think Kobe was embodying is like this, again, this maximization of aliveness, this desire. It's again, it's coming from a place of zest and desire to be alive and express your what matters to you and you see the context of the the, the decision at 7 p.m on a tuesday to skip netflix and go work on x project that is like out of a fuel so there's a fire there so i think like that that's the kind of the message that i'm curious to help people with and i'm it sounds like we're on the same 100 like, yeah yeah 100 percent. i I, you know, it's funny that you make that distinction between the demanding and, and, and being inspired to act. I think 
you know, I, I think it's a balance. Like when I start talking about this passion stuff, you could tell I, I just get fired up like that, <laughs> that, that flame lights and, you know, it, it, it just gets going. Um, and I think, I think a lot of people in, including myself have like an adverse reaction, an adverse reaction to, um, to discipline um, just because discipline even the word like it feels very structured it feels very forceful it feels very coercive it uh, feels like you need to do boom 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 and you need to do it this particular way and uh you know that that doesn't feel good to me um i think there there's an element of necessity there where where again to to get the most that you can give out of yourself like you got to push yourself to a point of uncomfortableness where where, where you can give like you know, you, you, I think a lot of times people don't even know what they're capable of because they don't want to push themselves yeah, beyond yeah. their point of comfort. And so once you're able to push yourself beyond that point of comfort, you realize like, whoa, I, I can actually do more than I thought I could do. I was just kind of being easy on myself. So, but, you know, I, I, I agree that I think it, it is important. Um, I think it's easier to be filled by an inspiration than it is to be filled by like, forcefulness or like like a, a a mandate that this is how it must be i think i like to use words like must and demand and like because it, it just fires me up like I, I i respond better to um to to like more of a drill sergeant approach like i am my own drill sergeant um it's it's funny because you know all of my bosses that i've ever worked with they're all really nice like know super laid back and chill and and i appreciate that because it 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 allows uh for more inspiration and more of kind of like the go with the flow but for myself i like to i like to be in my own face i like i like to you know i like that you know get your freaking self up and let's make this thing happen yeah it's really it's it's a balancing act where you know because there's the the very valuable saying and notion about don't wait for create, don't wait for inspiration for creativity. Mm. Like, like you just, if you, if the best writers just write every morning at 9am. Yeah. 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 And uh, it's, it's something that you want to be mindful of that. Yeah. The highest version of yourself will be uncomfortable at times. And so if you're constantly simply kind of going with how you feel in a moment and waiting for inspiration, then you're not going to draw the most out of yourself. Yeah. So I, this is where it gets kind of fun where it's like both, both sides of this coin are true. And I did a whole podcast on New Year's Day about like the, the new year, uh, the nuances in like mindsets when it comes to creating new habits and goals and, and, and this idea of, of willpower versus inspiration. And it's like, okay, all of these things are true and you want to you wanna draw from them like the idea of like every morning I'm getting up and I'm, it's just like, there's no, there's no negotiation. I'm just getting every morning I get up at 5am and do this because I know that brings results at the same time. If you are constantly willpowering your way through things, it's not going to be as effective and sustainable. Right. Yeah. And I, I wanted to touch on that because I, I said I was going to come back to that, but I'd, I'd love to, to just hear your take on it as well. But, um, the difference between, you know, like the, the healthy side of the mom yeah. mentality versus kind of like the unhealthy side of that. Um, and, you know, I, because 
there's one book that really I think dives into Mamba mentality the best, and it, it's called Relentless, and uh, it's it's by a guy named Tim Grover, and he is he was the trainer. Uh, he was I think I'm not sure exactly what he trained. I, I think it was he was a psychologist by trade, and um, he was like a sport psychologist slash trainer. And he worked with Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, and Dwayne Wade uh, at, at given respective times. He, he trained these guys, and he uh, was a big contributor to their desire to win, their desire um, to train harder, their, their ability to, to take it to the next level. And you know, a, a lot of the similarities uh, are abundant. That, that these kind of people push themselves to, to this kind of level to achieve these kind of things. And so one of the th- examples that Kobe talks about in that book is, is just, and he's said it in interviews before, but he's kind of like, when, when it comes to basketball, uh, he likes to really rile himself up to, to the point where he feels like a caged animal. Um, and he is just like in full attack mode. And I, and I like that because you're able to, uh, if, if there's a given a field like podcasting, for example, or, or whatever you're doing at the moment, if you can put yourself in a state where you're able to channel just that inner fire in, into that thing, um, I, I think it allows you, you, you get to leave it all on the court, you know? Um, and and that that's an important part of this whole Mamba mentality is that if you're going to work with passion, if you're going to work with it, like if you don't leave it all out on whatever your respective court is, then it's, it's going to become unhealthy in other aspects because it's going to drive you crazy, but you got to, you know, whatever you're doing at the moment, like you got to give it your all to, 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 to exert that energy, to get it out. You know, um, I think people who, who, who don't have that, that thing or that place to channel it or don't know how to channel it when a, a, a thing has come up, um, I think it, it just creates this unhealthy um, confusion where you're like, I don't know what to do with all this. Like I, I have this and, and I feel some type of way about it. Like I, I have a lot of um, discontent and just confusion about how do I channel this? And I think when, what, what I think high achievers do is they find their vehicle um, and, and they get into that stage where they're just like, they give themselves permission to go, to, to, to be the thing, to, to give it at all. Um, so you know, when it comes to the, the balancing the, the health side of it, I, I, again, I'd love to hear kind of your take on it. But if, if you're able to, uh, to channel that properly, um, then I, I don't think it corrupts your life. Yeah, channeling it properly, being intentional about the context. So, you know, LeBron James gets like nine, 10 hours of sleep a night. You know, he swears by that. Right. So there's also a characteristic from what I understand of many high achievers, which is the ability to become a high achieving rester, a loafer. Like I don't know if you're familiar with Daniel Coyle who wrote the talent code and dives deep into you know, how skill is is born, how greatness is is born, you know, and 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 uh, 
he he talks about how a lot of these great great creators over time they had a lot of loafing time he calls it like high performance loafing mm. like they would work really hard for concentrated period of time and they take long walks and take naps and hang out with family. And it's like, I've been really inspired by that sense of like this, the light switch is either on or off. If you really want to mm. be great, the light switch needs to be on mm. or off. None of this gray area of like, you know, this is where like social, like social media scrolling is the gray area. That's not really helpful <laughs> resting time. Right. Um, like the, the best, like I have a blog post called like the discipline of not doing like, mm. If you really want to be effective, you need to be conscious about, are you stretching yourself too thin with your productivity time to the point where you're not working smart and you're, you're not getting the time for your nervous system to recharge. And, and if you actually want to be on, you need to like LeBron get the 10 hours of sleep or you need to, to unplug and you need to, to go go rest your body and just have connecting time with friends and, and not go work hard, but you're actually working hard at not working hard. Mm. Right. You're like, I mean, I'm so conscious. There's a whole book. I haven't read it, but I'm, I'm curious about this book. It's called rest. It's called rest. It's the same concept. Yep. It's like the, the greatest, like, uh, like violin players they're talking about. I think like they practiced only two hours a day and then they like made sure that they, move their body and got exercise and got rest. And, and they were more effective in building skill than the people who were practicing extra hours, yeah. but then they didn't do those balancing practices. So it's like, I'm not sure if there's much information on what Kobe's lifestyle was like in that way. But um, I know that it, it, this is the thing, like the message, I guess, to the podcast listener today is like, you, you need to think critically and creatively about how this, these various strands of advice apply to your life and not simply, okay, oh yeah, I'm going to be great. Now I'm going to just push my way through and, and uh, forget the self-care stuff, you know, forget, you know, at the same time, if you only are like just staying in your comfort zone and not pushing yourself, right? Yeah. So there's these two sides of the coin where you need to be conscious about how to, how these apply to both, both sides apply to your life. A hundred percent. Yeah. I, I really like the rest piece. I think uh, that's going to be big for me trying to get to that next level, because I, I think what also comes with that inner voice, uh, you know, that I kind of mentioned guilt is that like, I feel guilty. Uh, like sometimes, like if I'm not working, if I'm loafing, like you, you said, and uh, I, I've tried to come to peace with that the best I can, that like, even these guys don't work all the time, you know, that there, that there needs to be time uh, to, to step away from the game um, and, and, and to rejuvenate. And that's, that's an aspect that I'm, I'm trying to figure out the sleep um, because I think, you, you know, you're told, especially if you're in your twenties, um, you're like, you can sleep when you're 30 or something, you can sleep when you die, like all of these unhealthy um, aspects. They're like, you have so much energy to give now. You just got to go, 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 give, 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 give great, 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 great. And I think to do the best work uh, is work when, you know, you feel the freshest, uh, you know, I think in order to hit that game, win a shot, you got to be focused. You got like, and that level of focus, you know, there, there's certain parts of the equation that you can't just 
pull out and expect to get the same end result. Like you, it has, it's a process. Um, and I think, you know, high achievers, they, they're really good about dialing in their process and then trusting their process. Yeah. It's that high conscientiousness about time and, and understanding how every hour of the day is going to play into symbiotically play into your results. So being conscious about what you do at, at night before bed is going to affect your morning, all that. Like, so that's, that's the, the highest level. And yeah, it's, it's, it's a struggle for me. And I think that's the thing, the guilt thing is so that goes back to the schooling experiences. We're kind of taught through this kind of puritanical work ethic of like idleness is the devil mm. and work for the mm. sake of work is in mm. virtue. And what we want to actually strive for is intrinsically motivated work and intentional, intentional effort. And that actually idleness is part of that. Idleness has a lot of value. Like there's a lot, there's a reason like people hatch creative ideas in the shower or while they're shaving or taking a walk. All like Nietzsche said, the greatest ideas were all formed while walking. You know, these are really powerful practices that don't look like you're working, Yeah. but you want to be mindful of that puritanical pull that we're kind of, you need to work all the time, sleep when you're dead. And it's like, no, 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 no. If you really want to be a high performer, you want to optimize so that you have, again, the light switches on and off. So that's, that's a, that's a hard thing to achieve, but worth, worthwhile. So we have a few minutes left and I, um, let's do this. Let me just tell people where to find you. I'm going to ask you one more question after that, but sure. I'm going to test out. I learned this from Tom Bilyeu's podcast. He, he says he has the guest. Is it going to be the book? No, 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 no. But okay. he has the guest to like give them their Twitter handle and then ask another question. So I know you're, you're at Twitter is at what now Kamau. What now Kamau? Um, any on, other uh, play, places people can find you or get in touch with you? Yeah. So I'm, I'm on Twitter at what now Kamau. Um, I'm on Instagram at what now come out as well. Uh, connect with me there. I'm, I'm probably more active on Instagram these days uh, than I am on Twitter. Um, and then uh, the, where I'm most active is on the brand uh, that I am co-collaborating and building with uh, TK Coleman. Um, he uh, is the creator of revolution of one. And I am very passionate about the work that I do and, and, and what we're building over there. And so uh, you can check that out at revolution of one, the number one dot com. Uh, you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, um, YouTube, wherever you find your podcast at uh, revolution of one, number one. And yeah, so that's uh, what I do, where, where to find me. Um, and yeah, I'm, 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 I'm excited about, you know, what, what you're doing, man. Uh, I, I love your mindset and I, and I love just your approach and how you look at things just philosophically, right? I, I think uh, if you're able to understand the philosophy to the why, uh, why you do what you do, then it it allows you, I think, to have a certain just like peace, like an inner peace that like, I'm doing this because X, Y, Z. You're not doing this because uh, somebody else told you to, you know, you understand why you're doing it. Like you said, it's intrinsically motivated, but that understanding piece is so important. And um, 
in school, you know, we're taught to not ask why, you know, we're just taught just to do, you know, and to the extent that you're able to, to find the answers of why you're doing what you're doing and, and it makes, and you make it make sense to you. I think you set yourself up to, to, to give, to do, uh, and just to be better. Oh man, it's so exciting stuff. Um, Revolution of One, definitely check it out, everybody. TK Coleman is a huge reason why I started this podcast, the whole mindset here with you have the power to invest in yourself and that can have an impact on the world. And that segues right to my last question, which is like, given the world right now in 2021, and we don't need to get into all that, but like, just given that, it's so much the world feels like it's closing in on us. How do you focus on inner power? How do you stay connected to that sense of personal agency when there's so much around you? And like, what does that mean to you to focus on inner power right now? It's a great question. Well, I, I, you know, for those of you who are listening to this, you know, as soon as it comes out or, or right now, right? Like who, those of you who understand kind of the landscape and, and the year that we just came from 2020, um, you still have an opportunity. You know, the world is still, um, it's still slower than it was before. It's speeding back up and, and things are starting to, to get back normal um, and, and people are starting to go outside more and, and life is kind of starting to resume. But I don't think it's all the way there yet. And I think um, for those of you who, who, who saw the opportunity to, to go inside and do the work during this, this season of quarantine and the season of quietness. Um, I, I think if you didn't really do that in 2020, you still have an opportunity to do that. And, and you, I think it, it, it is a missed opportunity if you come out on the other side of this quarantine and, and you're not a changed person. If you were the exact same, if you um, had the exact same habits that you had before the start of COVID and quarantine, um, I think you miss a a, a huge opportunity. So, you know, for me, it, it's this, this time was just super important and it still is um, about like really choosing myself, cho- choosing um, how I can use this opportunity of, of stillness, of quietness, of, of a slowed down world to uh, sh- to, in, in preparation for when it does speed back up, like you said, this whole concept of delayed gratification, I, I get excited about delaying the gratification um, and, and forcing my way outside or forcing myself to go out and hang out. Like I know that stuff is going to be there when the world resumes again. Um, but right now, you know, choose to delay the gratification, choose, choose to, to build, um, choose to flush out ideas, choose to, 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 to flush out the things that you're called uh, that you're interested in or that you're called to change or, or w- whatever that looks like for you. I, I think you have an opportunity and choose to delay the, the desire to just rush back outside or, or to rush back to normal life as is, you know? And so for me, um, you know, what that looks like tapping into my personal power is, 
is really getting getting what I want to do out on paper and, and making it crystal clear and making it into a plan that is executable, that has steps and that um, when it's, when, when it's time that I am just going, that I've thought about this already, that I, I know the, the philosophy and the why behind what I'm doing. Um, and I think you can't skip this step. You can't skip the step. And, and I try to skip the step. I've, I've tried to just live life, um, just because and just going, 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 but without really having a purpose and without having a why. And what happens is it feels like you waste time um, because you look up and two years has passed and you're still kind of doing the same things and you're not, not really sure why you're doing the same things. You're just doing it because like you've been doing it. And so you're just, you just want to keep up the work and just keep doing it. But you have an opportunity right now um, pause to, to take that space and to really get get those answers that you want I'm a firm believer that all the answers we need really are within inside like there, there's no external force that's going to tell you what your inner truth is that it, it comes from you and it comes from you being quiet and it comes from you um, really like sitting with yourself and, and, and working through that stuff flushing it out getting it on paper um, and, and just making it make sense and so inner power is, is, is about you choosing uh, to empower yourself. It's a choice and you have an opportunity to choose it. And I hope you do because I will. Um, and for those of us who, who do choose it, we're going to see, you know, we're going to see the, these incremental choices and, and how they accumulate in the coming years. It's good stuff. Absolutely. It's going to accumulate. The delayed gratification brings results and any given moment is the chance to create that space, to choose your response. As Viktor Frankl said, choose your response in any given set of circumstances. And that's, that's the beauty, the mental freedom, right? No matter what the world is doing around us, external world is out of our control. You have power over your mind, not external events. And, no matter what's happening economically, politically, etc., you always have the choice to engage in volition and have mental freedom, choose what you're going to create, choose what you're going to consume, to choose your habits. This is always at our fingertips. And that's really what... <laughs> the world needs is like someone who's going to be willing to, to be, to fill up their own bucket, to be happy, even in the hard times. And that's going to be so generous. If you take care of yourself in this hard times, you don't need to be a martyr, go pursue. what makes you come alive and you're going to be there for other people as well. So Kamau, it's been a blast. Thank you so much for your time. And uh, I'm looking forward to connecting in the future. Heck yeah, man. Heck yeah. I am grateful for the opportunity and grateful just to shed some light. Rock on. Mm -hmm.